This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve examine all manner of high elevation strangeness involving a murderer's row of different phenomena and paranormal happenings that have been said to be associated with and or have occurred at Northern California's Mount Shasta. Join us as we wax mountainside on Speculation Station about some of the lore associated with Mount Shasta, including but not limited to Magnetic Anomalies, the Count of St. Germain, the Lost Continent of Mew and its connections to Atlantis, UFO sightings, the I Am movement, Stargates, and much more. If you thought we couldn't help but devolve at some point, fear not. We'll also touch on projectile vomiting and the most effective method of smuggling the club brand cocktail in a can, both in a movie theater, aka the show, environment. The Porpoises, Midnight Companions and Keen Observers, Dare to embrace the dance of the mind and summit this peak where both the veil and air thins and robot grandma beckons you to shit on flypaper. Let's wax this elevated porpoise. Chase, don't do that. So yeah, Sesame Street Land. We're going. It's in. Is it Camden or fucking Hoylestown or something? It's like some like up. I think it's like northeast of Philadelphia. It's like a. It's a suburb on the outskirts of Philadelphia. So um, did you say Camden? As in Camden, New Jersey? No, As in there's the murder capital of the world. No, 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 no. It's in Pennsylvania. There's a there's a suburb I think called Camden or something close to that. I'm I'm probably misremembering it, but at any rate, we're going there for it's a five day trip. I think we have three days, <laughs> maybe four at the park. But we're gonna I think we're gonna stop through Pittsburgh, maybe somewhere on the outside of Pittsburgh, spend the night, split up the drive. But yeah, it's ten hour jaunt. And it's for a Sesame Street land. Land. <laughs> Win- Winchester Tinfieldville. Yeah. Shoykill <laughs> Shru- Sh- Township. I would get to cross the Shoykill River, which I'm pretty excited about. And you're sure you're not being lured to your death. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and then when we come back, we bought a fucking new Pekingese that's down in like it's in like Bird's Eye, Indiana, like bumfuck. It's down near Santa Claus, Indiana, where they have the world's largest slip and slide and Holiday World. Mm. Dude, it's dope. Uh, or I've never <laughs> been, but it looks really dope. We're gonna go, but uh, I get to go through. Uh, if Dick Dog's listening, I get to I get to go through uh, French Lick, Indiana. The Mecca, the birthplace of Larry Bird. Um, home of. Home <laughs> of. But yeah, so 10-hour Sesame Street land. Come back. Then the next day, I'm going down solo mission to pick up this dog that's, I think it's four and a half hours away. So eight-hour round trip. That's a full day driving with the new pup. Then Oppenheimer three hours and then we're podding on orca we should so it's gonna be a fucking 
packed week. Pretty excited. I, pr- I pray for your cock. <laughs> Call the vet because these puppies are sick. <laughs> it's my favorite shirt. My brother-in-law Carl got me. See, it says Carl right here. <laughs> Yeah, so that should be fun. <clears throat> All right, we ready? Yep. Engage. Here we go. All right, welcome back to Waxing the Porpoise. We are back again. Episode 80. Oh, fuck that. Episode 68. My dyslexia kicked in right there. Uh, Mount Shasta High Elevation Strangeness is what we're talking tonight. As usual, you got myself, Jim G. Baby. What do you think of me? I don't rightly know, sir. Make an assessment. I think you're a nice, modern gentleman. Don't lie to me, boy. And, of course, we have the usual suspect, Steve. That was our first date. Hmm? You pulled me up with your strong arms. Oh, dear. Look. I've, never, I've never seen that or shit. No, you've never nope. seen old Greg? No. I, well, I just had to hear you and all of our other coworkers <laughs> like quote it in little chunks every day for, for years. So seven years. I didn't Damn. feel the need to go watch it. <laughs> I got to send you the link. It's, it's pretty great, man. It, it is real good. God, that's your only exposure is just hearing people pop it off secondhand. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Dude, that one that that's one of the ones from Biggie that's uh indelibly branded in my mi- mind to the you pull me up with your strong arms that and Noma yeah yeah there's a few of those that I could not hear for another thousand years and it would be too soon him whistling like a bird so you got a tank you want to fight about it yeah <laughs> but yeah good to see you all right uh, <laughs> uh yeah so we're we're back this is another uh kind of funky episode where we're talking about something uh, i it used to be local to me i used to live in northern california for my whole life but so this is kind of a one close to us uh, a local landmark that i actually i learned a lot about this i feel ashamed that i lived so close to it and i new fucking dick about it basically other than it's like oh it's mount shasta it's a big ass fucking mountain and you can go snowboarding on it skiing whatever there's like tons of shit i fucking had no clue which was pretty cool is it is that similar to your experience or did you know a little bit more going into this um so i actually used to live in Reading for a couple years which is even closer to mount shasta from where you and i lived or currently live and even living pretty much in the shadow of Mount Shasta, I only ever heard a little bit about, you know, a Bigfoot sighting in the past or a couple Bigfoot sightings, uh, UFO sightings. And then later on, I started hearing more about the sort of hippy dippy crystal, like spiritual vortex idea. Mm-hmm. No idea what that even meant because I, I just stopped listening at spiritual vortex and crystals and all that so reading crystal city yeah so reading more about it for this episode i also had the same thought like oh shit i didn't realize there was so much more Mm -hmm. lore surrounding it and it's pretty much in our backyard and it's thankfully a lot more interesting than 
the spiritual vortex. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of like pretty concrete stuff, just like like if you take the conspiracy and you know all the the ooh the mysterious like the unsolved mystery kind of uh, trappings to it. There's a lot of like just interesting shit uh, that I had, was not privy to. But then yeah, when you when you pile on like you said earlier, when we we're talking like the buffet of different uh, kinds of phenomena and things that are associated with it, it's kind of overwhelming um, to be honest, but yeah, I don't, we don't have any shortage of things that are associated with Mount Shasta that I think we'll get, we'll get to talking about. Um, I don't know if we'll go super deep on any one of them, but I think just like the, like the breadth of all the things surrounding it uh, will make for good convo and just kind of wrap about. So um, have you ever, uh, climbed or hiked or been up to Mount Shasta besides like a ski trip or like a snow day kind of scenario with your family or I have it. Okay. No, I've only been there. Well, only I've probably been there maybe a baker's dozen amount of times to go snowboarding. Okay. Um, and I think that's it. I think I may, I may have gone when I was younger, maybe some like distant memories of just like a snow day at like base camp and like fucking tobogganing and uh, maybe cut down a tree or some, something like that. But uh, I've never hiked this. We've had friends. There's like a, there's a breast cancer uh, fund. Is it breast cancer fund or just, it's like a, 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 a ceremonial kind of trek where people will go up and hike the mountain that our company is involved with. A lot of people do it for, uh, just to see if they can do it. I didn't realize it was this fucking tall, but it's like uh, one of those, they call them 14ers. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, um, it was a fundraiser essentially for breast cancer prevention charity. And yeah, so it's a 14,000 foot mountain, which is pretty good. I mean, the one closer to me is called Mount Lassen and that's a pretty tall one and that's only 10,000, but even that's, mm-hmm. you know, pretty significant. I think Shasta's, I think Shasta is the tallest mountain in California. Is that right? I want to say it's like the tallest west of Colorado, but I could be wrong. I feel like Mount Rainier or Mount Hood maybe give it a run for its money, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't focus on that factoid, which I, which I should have. But I, I, I know it's it's a top. California. I think it okay. is. Yeah, fourteen thousand one hundred seventy-nine feet. Um. Let's see. And I'm wrong. It's Mount Whitney. Oh, yeah. It's the fifth highest in California. Oh, really? Fifth, fifth, fifth highest peak in California. (laughs) Was 34th. Yeah. 34th nationwide. um, 96 in the world. But yeah, it's fucking huge. And it's, it's also interesting. It's got like a, a smaller, uh, like a satellite cone or peak called uh, Shastina. Um, I don't know how tall that one is, but they're very close in proximity to one another. Um, I think, what is it? 12,000 feet of Shastina. But, you yeah, know, I, they- in, prepar- in preparation for this too, I noticed one thing that pissed me off or it was just kind of a tick, like people commenting on this and talking about Lake Shasta, they're, that they inflect it like Shasta. Oh. I'm like, ah, oh, that's so gross. It's Mount Shasta. Come on. You know, maybe we're saying it wrong, but fuck it. 
you know what's my version of that? It bugs the shit out of me. Is uh, if you're if you're on the west coast or west of I don't know the continental divide or whatever, it's Nevada. But when you hear people say Nevada, it just Nevada. I hate it. Yeah. I can't stand. Yeah, that is but a good one, example. One, one thing that's cool about Shasta, at least visually, is it's not it's not just a mountain in a giant range that just happens to be the tallest amongst. It sort of stands alone. So it makes right. it look even more kind of cool against the backdrop. Yeah. And there's, I saw some things that were, uh, that point to uh, it being kind of semi anomalous, like for where it's placed at. And I guess it is part of a range, but like yeah. you say, it's not connected like tightly or like super closely. Cause I guess it's part of the, the cascade range or the mm-hmm. cascade volcanic arc but it is kind of like when you see it when you're on if you go up i5 interstate 5 or highway 99 which is the the main thoroughfare that goes from mexico to canada and you're going due north basically and you see it up on the horizon it's it's very stark and especially when there's a shit ton of snow on it and it's like a bright sunny day like it stands out like a motherfucker like it's yeah. it's a prominent uh thing but yeah it does it looks like it just kind of pokes out and there's nothing else like around it, but, um, and yeah, it's actually you- also, uh, it's considered active, even though I don't think the last, uh, uh, I don't know what the fuck that term is. Activity like, what, or what eruption it, or yeah. Something like that. I think it was like 1700s or late 1700s was when it actually spewed. I saw a bunch of different. Really? The last, yeah. I saw at least three. One was like, 3,000 years ago, one was 1,000 years ago. I don't know. Okay. I mean, but you can it's, see why. It, it's been a long time. But there have been tribes in the area for, you know, 10,000 years plus. You could see why it would be such like a focal part of their oh, yeah. existence. Like, what the fuck is that? I don't know. Let's go check it out. Yeah, like being a primitive tribe and like, and you know. But yeah, like you say, there's like, uh, I think the Klamath tribe it's like seven to 10,000 years. And then there's some other tribes that maybe predate that up to like 13,000 years. Yeah. And they have this like equilibrium with the land and they've had that long to like be around it. And so you have, you know, no shortage of, um, you know, th- their religion and culture and spiritual, you know, lore that's been passed down through ages and ages and ages of oral history and, one thing I saw too that was really interesting that I've never heard of from anyone was: Did you see anything about this thing called Petroglyph Point? Um, I did see something about that just when looking into this. Uh, I'd never heard of that prior to this, and yeah, if yeah. you look at it on a map, it's not it's not super far away from Mount Shasta. Yeah. It's sort of in that northeast corner of California, but. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I I had never heard of it. I thought even like growing up in like grade school because you know you live like regional kind of stuff gets discussed usually. I feel like that would have been a good example, like you know, like in fifth grade history or sixth grade social studies or something. You know that that would have come up in association with it. So that was one, a big one that jumped out to me like because they have like carvings and like these crazy cave inscriptions and people have interpreted like that i'm sure will broach 
at some point through this, like the sky people. Yeah. Um, that all ties in with like uh, Lemurians, which we'll get into like the giant skeletons the, that may or may not be Bigfoot. And you know, that one was like that jumped out at me like, Whoa, that's fucking cool that that's like right in your backyard. You know, like those kinds of things I associate with like, like ancient Egypt and uh-huh. fertile crescent shit like that, you know? So that was, that was pretty cool to, to learn about that. I don't know where to get started here. I guess a couple couple cool things before we get off into the hippy dippy, the weird shit, is it Mount Shasta is known for their lenticular clouds. Those are pretty common. I think it's to do with the climate, the region it's in, the height, because this thing like dips up into the sky, you know, like when you're at the peak. Have you ever seen there? I think there's a famous dude who takes pictures. One of our mutual friends had this really dope, like framed professional. Uh, photo of Mount Shasta with these lenticular clouds. They look like UFOs. These yeah. big, round, fluffy fucking, like, it looks like they've been shaved, like they're shaved ice, kind of. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Yep. And they're stacked kind of like pancakes. Just right there, it's like you could see how someone, could, like, especially ancient peoples and stuff, looking up to the sky and seeing, like, oh, like, it looks yeah. like a ship or some kind of flying thing. But yeah, if, if nobody, if, if you're not familiar with a lenticular cloud, like Goog, do a quick googe of lenticular clouds, Mount Shasta. It's pretty rad, natural phenomenon. But so I guess like a quick point by point rundown of what's involved. I saw aliens, Bigfoot, giant people, unexplained disappearances, connections to Atlantis, and it's western counterpart mu telos the inner earth stargates energy vortexes fuck it, it, there's like no shortage of things that are associated with this do you believe in ufos astral projections mental telepathy esp clairvoyance spirit photography telekinetic movement full trance mediums the loch ness monster and the theory of atlantis uh, if there's a steady paycheck in it i'll believe anything you say it's weird too, like growing up, especially in this area, never really hearing any of that. Yeah. Was, was all this pretty new, like just like the, the volume of weird shit that's associated with it? Yeah, it's, I didn't even have like one tenth of the knowledge that I saw looking into this. You forgot to mention lizard people and robot grandma. Dude, <laughs> robot grandma, I can't wait to talk about that. That's, that's a super interesting instance i guess that, that's kind of one of the first things that i heard once i got into missing 411 david polites like i don't know four or five years ago and one of one of the stories that jumped out was the cappy the the robot grandma story uh but i don't know for whatever reason i did i i remembered it differently and i don't i the fact that it was at mount shasta didn't jump out at me when i heard that so uh coming back to it i was like oh fuck that was at mount shasta i thought for for some reason it was like great smoky mountains or somewhere in appalachia that that took place so so you want to just um, start with that one yeah let's start with that one yeah, i i actually found you can you can go ahead first but i i found um an actual message board from 2012 where it's the grandma actually uh, recounting the tale of everything. And some people have speculated this is where Polites first 
caught wind of this and started researching it. And this was like on a private message board from it's called abduction or imagination is something in our forests. And it's from 2012, November, 2012. And it's the actual, I guess it can't be verified, but this lady is claiming to be that grandma and talking about her story. I was like, Holy shit, that's fucking crazy. So it's like maybe straight from the horse's mouth, but do you want to set us up on robot grandma first? Yeah. And if you have, additional details you'd like to add feel free to cut me off at any time but yeah it's pretty interesting because this happened back in 2010 if i remember right and it was this kid who was three years old he was up there camping around somewhere on mount shasta with his family and uh at around six o'clock at night kid just disappears family turned around and he's just gone parents are looking all over for him they can't find him for i think five hours or so uh, so when they do eventually find him, he's just lying in this like thicket of grass right off the in trail the position. Yeah. Like right off the trail where they had been looking. So it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, somewhere very far away that he had ran to. It was like, Oh shit. If he was here the whole time, we should have seen him. Um, yeah. Another hallmark. If anybody's familiar of missing 411, that's one of the hallmarks is like someone goes missing very quickly. Like you turn and they're gone and then there's a massive search and then they end up finding them like very close in proximity to where people had already searched thoroughly. And like, it, it just seems really weird. Like, Oh, it was right there, you know, kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, the parents are happy, the kids safe, whatever they bring them home a few weeks later, the kid is playing with his grandma and the, and the kid turns to his grandma and he said, I don't, I don't like my other grandma, Cappy. Like that's what he called his grandma's Cappy. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I didn't like my other grandma, Cappy. And she's like, what are you talking about? What's your other grandma, Cappy? And he said something to the effect of like, Oh, well, don't you remember when I was lost in the woods? The other grandma, Cappy uh, grabbed me and, and took me to this creepy place and, She's actually a robot, and she took me down to this cave where there were spiders and guns, and I was I was scared, so I didn't touch anything, but she climbed a ladder, and it made, made her look like a robot, and there were other robots, but they were frozen. Uh, she, made me, she made me lay down to look at my tummy, tried to get me to take a shit on a piece of paper, but I didn't do it. <clears throat> and He couldn't. He was too afraid. Yeah. I would uh, be too, man. Yeah. Your grandma's, totally. even if you, if, even if you thought dead to rights, this is my grandma, take away the robot shit. And it's asking you to shit on a piece of fly paper or like sticky <laughs> paper. I'd be like, what the fuck's going on, grandma? Yeah. So other grandma Cappy also told him that he was from outer space and that they put him in his mom's tummy. And, and then when they were done trying to get him to shit on the paper and doing all this creepy stuff. Other other grandma took him back to the river and, and said, just wait here until somebody finds you. Um, he also said to grandma, she had your same hair, your feet, and even your face. So grandma's like, what the fuck is this kid talking about? Um, yeah, she said it was the poop. She's like, I get kids have an imagination and this and that. But she's like, it was the pooping on sticky paper that really makes me wonder. I've never seen a TV program that mentioned pooping on sticky paper or anything else like that. There are a bunch. There are too many other details to list. It's like, yeah, yeah that one would kind of stick out too to me. Like, that I ain't mean, right. kids, kids can be very creative. I will say 
uh, we have these neighbor friends of ours and they have a, they have a kid. I, I think he's five. And some of the shit that comes out of his mouth is bizarre. It's like, I don't know what <laughs> YouTube videos or cartoons you're watching or friends that you talk to. Um, yeah. But yeah, he says some pretty wild shit. So who especially knows? this day and age, you know, kids are getting fucking bombarded with shit. So that makes sense. Like this day and age and beyond like the weirder shit yeah kids can come up with but yeah i guess that they've always been like that they say the darndest things it's it's very true somebody should make a show called that (laughs) so uh needless to say grandma was pretty pretty shocked um and i guess she was talking to the, the kid's dad and the dad's like yeah he said the same thing a few days ago so it's not like he was just making it up on the spot right it talked about it before um but then she had this weird sort of revelation that she would have just chalked it up as a kid's weird imagination if it wasn't for a strange experience that happened to her a year ago when she was camping in that same area and so her story is that she claimed she woke up one morning face down in the dirt somebody hit or something had taken her from her tent and sleeping bag and she had a puncture wound in the back of their head, and she felt sick all morning, felt weirdly like emotionless. Um, she chalked it up to being maybe bitten by a spider, I heard. Yeah, um, or some kind of insect or something. Yeah, and she was there with somebody else, a friend who'd been sleeping in a separate camper, and that person also woke up with a, a puncture, bite, whatever, on his neck, also felt ill. Um and then she, she claims that she recalls seeing red eyes shining through the trees in their flashlights the night before, which they thought were deer. Um, so I guess the the logical inference to make, if you're going to connect those two stories, is that she was somehow cloned or her mm-hmm. body was, uh, they made some sort of human facsimile of her to right. do God knows what. And then, I don't know fucking weird but yeah it made me think right away like i've seen a ton of x files and like i'm I'm probably more into alien stuff than you are but like there i don't know if you've heard of like the um like one of the one of the big overarching theories about like our contact with aliens and the reason it's being covered up and that they're and like you know cattle mutilations and abductions and everything is one of them is you know a the a hybrid kind of uh, human alien thing that's been running for God knows how long in the background. And, you know, governments around the world have treatises and packs with these aliens. Like that was one of the first things I thought of like, Oh, maybe yeah, it was like a DNA harvest or, and to do like what you said, like maybe just clone them. And, but for what purpose, you know, I don't, it, it's probably folly to get too academic about it, but yeah, like that's like you tie those two things together and it's like, yeah, this weird robotic version, you have this weird, you know, I got stung on the back of my fucking neck. And like, I mean, those two things together, just in proximity and being in the same area, it just, it's weird. I won't, I don't know if I put all my faith into what this lady's saying. I mean, this could just be a kooky grandma that's bored, you know, and she's having a good time with this, but, um, some of the things the kids said too, I, I saw that, that we glossed over is she, he mentioned 
so, uh, the the reason that he could tell or that he thought that this second Cappy uh, was a robot grandma was the when the sun danced off of her face, it kind of reflected and it was shiny. It was sparkly. So it made me think of, you know, like, oh, what it was like. They have some like uh, holographic oh, kind of yeah. shit going on. Some like weird, like crazy technology, but that would make it look artificial to him. And one of the other things too, like how he mentioned, he saw the other like robots maybe, or these clones and they were like frozen in place. And he like, they looked like people, but they looked odd to him. So maybe they're just like other vessels that are just waiting to do the same thing, like pick up people and maybe, maybe they're harvesting or they're, they're doing something with these abductees and they bring them in for a while and then kick them back out. Um, And also too, like how he said, he saw guns, like old guns covered with like spider webs and cobwebs and like, you know, rucksacks and like backpacks and things like that. It made me think of, you know, how like sometimes people go missing, especially in the missing 411. Some of the weirder cases are where people go missing. And usually when people go missing, you'll find a trail of things or you'll find an article of clothing or their yes. bag or a gun or things like this. And then in the, a, a lot of the hallmarks, what, Depending on how much stock you put in missing 411, I know that's it's kind of its popularity or um, credibility has waned the past couple years. But some of the hallmarks of those cases are they never find anything. Not only do they not find the person, but they don't find any articles of anything, which is super weird, especially when it's in like a known area and how quickly they respond to it. They, they should find some articles of something or a gun or things that aren't fucking indestructible. So that made me kind of think like, Ooh, you know, they're getting fucking, you know, disappeared away into these little fucking mystical, creepy caverns and shit. And it's like, there's, what if it goes back to like, you know, like the Donner pass, like the Donner party. And there's like old fucking guns from like the civil war era and shit. Like, just kind of interesting to think about, but yeah, that's a weird, weird fucking story. And I guess they, they, it's, this is like, if you type in John Doe, Mount Shasta, the parents did well to like, keep the kid's name out of it, out of the gate. They didn't want anything associated with him. So if you, if you want to learn more about this or look at it, robot grandma, grandma Cappy or John Doe, Mount Shasta, there, there's no shortage of speculation on this, but yeah, the red eyes shining through the trees too. That's a kind of a creepy detail. That would fucking make me shit a brick if I saw red fucking eyes. I mean, yeah. I'm, I haven't been camping. I'm not the world's foremost camper, but I've never seen anything like that. That would make me. That would cause me to pause. Yeah, my my first thought would not be deer. It would be, is that a goddamn mountain lion? You know, because there's a ton of them up there. Yeah. And a deer is not very, not very scary, but a mountain lion, they'll yeah. get you. Yeah, they will. Um, so what do you chalk this up to? Flights of fancy, or do you think there's any, any shades of, of truth to this? I don't know. I'm dead. I think I'm just naturally a little more skeptical on this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it comes from just genuine skepticism or if it, if a part of it is just like frustration knowing that we'll probably never really know the truth. So I try not, I 
I just can't get too emotionally invested in stuff like this because I feel like it's, it's just never going to lead anywhere. So I don't, I don't really get into it that much. And yeah, maybe that's why I don't really like much sci-fi stuff in general. I just can't get into it as much, but I mean, who knows at the end of the day, who knows? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting story that it's either a very strange coincidence that they both had these weird experiences in the same place. Mm -hmm. um, Or it's just a kid with a crazy imagination, but it's, it's just one example of some crazy stuff that goes on up there. And um, one of the things that I found that I, I didn't even remember that I remembered was the, the story of a guy named Carl Landers who went missing up there. Yeah. This which, is 1999. Yeah. So I lived up there. It must have been like 97 or 98 or 99. It was right around that time. So I don't know if I heard about this at the time or if I heard about it since then. And it's just such a weird, I mean, it's, there's not a whole lot to his story, but it's very weird for the reason you were just talking about where, I mean, even if people get eaten by an alligator whole or, you know, think some other weird circumstance, they always find shit left behind, whether it's clothing, blood, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah. So Carl Landers was up there. He's an older guy. I think he's in his sixties, but a pretty fit guy. He was 69. Nice. Nice. So yeah, him and him and a couple other old guys were up there, and I don't even think you can hike to the summit. I think it's all climbing of different, like varying difficulty. But so these guys have to be in pretty goddamn good shape, and this is an an example of one of those guys who he either dropped straight down through like a chimney, or was right. abducted or something because he was within eyesight of his two buddies and right. That's right. Right. He was within, and they just turned and he was gone and they didn't find another hallmark. I'm probably going to say it too many times, but another hallmark of these missing four one one deals is like, they're right within your close proximity. You spin your head on a swivel and look and they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. With no sign. It's like they just hit a drop shoot, like the fucking went straight down to the earth's core or something. And I mean, it's possible that there's some sort of giant crevasse, but I mean, they searched for this guy and they have been searching for this guy for 24 years. And in that time, they've never found anything of his or any sort of large, large hole that would explain, you know, a guy just disappearing. So it's, it's just very, just one more very weird thing. Yeah, one of the ones that were the things about this was interesting too was I guess there's uh, a couple different access points I guess to Mount Shasta like to to hike it and to climb it and I guess the more novice quote unquote um or um the Less easiest technical or yeah the, the the easier path is the southern slope of uh Mount Shasta but with the caveat, it's still even even people that are in shape have quit and given up and and haven't made it up, you know. So, um, but th- this guy in particular, he was 
by all accounts, like an experienced hiker. He was in a running club. He was very fit dude, even at 69. And the dudes he went up with were 64 and 60, uh, respectively. And they were both part of the same running club. And, uh, I, I, I thought I heard secondhand the source I have in front of me doesn't say, but I, I want to say that he had done this before at least once. So he was, had some sort of familiarity with the area, but, um, yeah, it, it's just one of those things. Like it's like vanish, you know, and there's, yeah. and there's no trace that's it, it, it lends itself right there to wild speculation when you have absolutely nothing to go on. Um, but well, it gives I, it credibility too when it's like an experienced person, uh, yeah. physically fit, and then yeah, the 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 two friends are corroborating that like yeah, we were all you I, you you picture you go hiking with three buddies, you're not gonna be a football field away from one another. You're gonna be in a pretty tight pattern, you would think, you know. Or I even mean, if you were ten if, feet away, it'd be weird for someone to just to where'd they go? I mean, even if you were. Because I saw different numbers as far as the distance he was from other people. Even if you're 300 yards away, that's really not that far visually. And you would hear, like, if he fell off the side of something or fell down something, you would think that you would hear somebody scream out or the yeah. sound of something. You know, it's not just they turned around and they, they didn't see him anymore, but they didn't hear anything, which very strange and this also happened this this occurred on may 25th 1999 which is you know may as well be summer uh for this part of california so i'm sure visibility was like a thousand percent like there's probably few or no clouds in the sky so it's not like you know there'd be more i'd cast more doubt if they were hiking in like the dead of winter or even early winter. And, and maybe there was a storm or something that wasn't accounted for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, going like late May, early June, like it's visibility is probably excellent. Yeah. I mean, just kind of, I hadn't thought about this until just now, but even if it had been late summer, that might also explain snow melting. But if it's May, you know, it's probably still pretty snowy up there. Packed pretty good, yeah. Yeah, so it's funny. My dad and I were on a hike one time, and it was it was up at Lassen, and it was, I think, May, late late May, probably early June. So the snowpack was really just now starting to melt in earnest. And the trail we were on still had a bunch of snow on it, and we were going over these snow bridges where – you don't realize that you're just walking on a snowfield, but you don't realize that there's actually like a, a, a snow, a, a snow melt, like river underneath where you're walking. Ah. So like, you know, as it melts, it finds whatever the low point is. So if you're very unlucky, you could just be walking along in the snow, go down. And now you're just in a death snow huh. river, whatever. And he's telling yeah. me about this as we're walking <laughs> over this shit. How old were you? This was a year ago. And oh, okay. <laughs> he is, I pictured like little 10-year-old Steve. <laughs> oh, no. But he, he's way more like delicate. And he's just like gently walking along the top of the snow. And I'm I like every step I'm taking is up to my thigh. And I'm just like <laughs> falling all the fuck over myself. 
And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, people, they'll just fall straight through and they'll never be seen again. Like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice parenting. I wasn't cursing at you. I was cursing at the lady. Nice parenting. Hey, thanks. You're my therapist. Take a walk. Damn. Quick. Yeah. How about a sausage McMuffin with hash browns? (laughs) Total mind blow. Uh, Yeah, I'd be like... uh, Cool. Can you save that, for that when, info? when we're back at the car? Yeah, seriously. Well, you know, now that you say that too, it's like maybe that's that adds to like the the more rational mind. Like maybe maybe it was just as simple as something like that. You know? Yeah, but they would have found something when the when it the snow melted. You know? Yeah. You would think anyway. Maybe not. I mean, it is a huge fucking area so no if that happened and he got swept away by some like underground snow melt you know who who knows how far he would have gone and yeah. you know what if it would have en- emptied out into like a an area where it got covered up very quickly and he's just under like six feet of earthen material and that's why and it's just that simple but yeah, yeah that's that's one of the big ones when you look up like strange disappearances is carl landers um yeah, there's a bunch of like just at a, the quickest glance you look, and there's I think since 1986 there's been 12 just completely vanished uh, individuals uh, from Mount Shasta. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. There was another one I, I didn't have time to fucking jot it down, but there's another one that's that's kind of a heavy hitter that that's mentioned up along with Robot Grandma and Carl Landers that was interesting, but um, alas. Um, so I get, I guess we should probably get into some of the weirder shit. One of one of the ones that jumped out to me was uh, a fella named J.C. Brown, which. I mean, we're not covered. We're not treading over any new territory here. You can find information about this guy, but uh, did you happen to stumble across this in your research? Oh yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Lemurians. This, this is where I, I get a little more dubious. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's still interesting. So yeah, yeah. Do you this is one that definitely my my fucking my my unexplained uh, <laughs> feels started tingling like crazy but then as you go along too it's just like all right you're saying a lot of shit that can't be corroborated right now but it is pretty interesting um do you know where this starts is i think this is what is this like 1910 no so it goes it goes all the way back to 1890s yeah the um actually it goes back to the 1860s and a zoologist who published an article about lemurs. So, you know, he was a very fun guy and he was talking about how he found fossils of lemurs in Madagascar, which is an Island off the coast of Africa and India, but not in continental Africa or the middle East. So from that, he concluded that there used to be a supercontinent that we later called Pangea, but he called it, Lemuria because of those lemurs. Um, so that's the origin of the term. And then, yeah. Uh, so the concept of Lemuria began to appear 
uh, like in the works of other people, they just sort of adopted the same thing and people started looking for the missing link in that same area. It is funny to think 1864 is really not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Oh yeah. It's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. Like up until then they still didn't understand plate tectonics or who the fuck knows. Maybe they'll look back at our time and, 150 years and i'm sure I, I they'll think we're, we're so fucking primitive yeah yeah I, I have no doubt um that guy by the way is uh frederick spencer oliver and he published a, a work uh called a dweller on two planets uh which so this is where the atlantis connection comes in like it's like uh two sides on the same coin is like lemuria how just, we think of just before somebody red pens you the zoologist I'm talking about, his name's Philip Sclater, the, the gentleman oh, you're, yeah. you're talking about. That predates this guy. That's right. Yeah, but the guy you're talking about um, is an author, and that was in 1899. And that's, yeah, Frederick Spencer Oliver. Right. Just before any, uh, any big zoology buffs out there <laughs> write in some hate mail. Oh. And yeah, so Dude, what is that? What is that part from Friends? Like they're they're trying they're fighting over uh, like the remote or something, and Ross is like, "Tough noogies, we're watching uh, the planes of the Serengeti." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just flashed back to that one the other day. It was awesome. Tough so, noogies. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, but the. The idea is that some 25,000 years ago, Atlantis and Lemuria were the two main. This sounds Powers. so stupid. Like, even just reading, <laughs> it just sounds so stupid. But Yeah, we're getting wild right now. Yeah, so, so the theory is 25,000 years ago, Atlantis and Lemuria were the two, the two most or maybe two only highly civilized civilizations on Earth. And they started right. battling with each other and... Through the course of thermonuclear warfare, it created a worldwide flood, which, I mean, that's kind of interesting because I think every major religion yeah, on, on Earth, they all tell the same similar story about a massive flood. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting, but they could just be sort of reverse engineering this myth based on that, right. that shared... Uh, thing lore or mythos yeah. yeah it's like how do you pinpoint which maybe this is the one and then all the other stories surrounding it they have their own interpretation or if this is just one in a long line of interpretations you know of why this flood occurred even if this flood this global cataclysmic flood even occurred you know the way that they're outlining it but yeah the, the, well it is, if you want to if you want to play some serious mental gymnastics, you can think about this. So, um, in the in the Christian Bible, it talks about uh, the worldwide flood, Noah, all that shit. There right. are other texts that predate the Bible that also talk about worldwide flood and attribute it to some other whatever. And right. if you were to ask like a like a Christian practitioner about that, they'll tell you. Well, some might, some might not. They'll tell you that uh, that information is a test of your faith. So 
there's all this weird, <laughs> you know, cognitive dissonance where it's like, oh, you know, this story that you find in the Bible. Yeah. Um, well, the same story was told like 4,000 years earlier in some other religions. Like, well, yeah, that's that's a test. Like, all right. Well, God. Yikes. I don't know. I don't know how you have a discussion with. Excuse me. Yeah. It's just it's they got something to stonewall you at every turn. Yeah. It's attached to a rod, mother liquor. God damn. <laughs> yeah, okay, so in this battle between the Lemurians and the Atlanteans, the idea is that the Lemurians were losing, so they decided to retreat to Mount Shasta, of all places. Is that right? Or was that... Right, That's that was their... So, like, it seems like they had some kind of stalemate or something, or, like, they realized... This is my interpretation. They realized that they had fucked everything up, like completely, like uh, mutually assured destruction. And they both kind of retreated into like, I don't know how much of Atlantis ties into inner earth, but there's a lot of similarities there. But um, so Atlantis had their back door ostensibly either under the fucking sea or into the inner earth. And they called that Agartha. And then mount shasta uh is uh also called telos and that was the lemurians like this is our escape hatch you know like this is our back door where we can abscond to and it's i I saw numbers like 60 million plus lemurians were killed in this flood war ongoing raging war battle um and i guess it actually uh it's the dude uh Frederick Spencer Oliver, who he talked about the dweller on two planets, uh, claimed that or talked about um, the lost continent of Mew. And there's accounts of that in like indigenous, like Native American tribes and stuff talking about that and the, and how it was actually like Hawaii was much bigger. And that's like the tip of this huge lost continent. So they were like kind of mirroring each other on opposite coasts i guess if you think atlantic atlantis and then off in the pacific you have this big huge landmass that has now sunken underwater and ostensibly gone inside the earth um but i think that's maybe where at that time they thought it was connected to north america and so they retreated to yeah mount shasta became lemuria like the 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 mu mu lemur there's a bunch of different phrasings of, of that to see how the language broke down. Uh, but yeah, so it became, so Mount Shasta, Lemuria, Telos, those are all the same thing. And then Atlantis is Agartha. And so they went inside. And then, I mean, we're not even going to talk about inner earth beyond that, but that's a whole, that's a whole other bag of cats too. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, but um. I think some of the stuff that JC Brown talks about seeing is supposed to be tied to these ancient, this ancient Lemurian civilization. Um, and that's where it's interesting where, you know, you hear accounts of giants, this elder race. And then there's, you know, in the same spot, there's uh, talk of like seeing Bigfoot and, and all these kinds of things. Maybe it's just the same thing. And then they're attributing it to these other, just like how every, every tribe and every civilization has some kind of like major apocalypse story or, or flood story. Maybe they're one in the same. 
Um, Cause it makes sense. They're talking about giants, this advanced race, and then Bigfoots are these big giant fucking things. But um, yeah. So JC Brown, <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, so in the early 1900s, the, the British prospector JC Brown that we're kind of alluding to, he claims that he found, I saw it described as a door, which I think is funny, but some sort of passage underground at Mount Shasta that he claims he walked 11 miles through this cave system. And he, he, when he gets to the end, he finds some sort of tomb. It's full of gold and shields and mummies. And yeah, like you were saying, somewhere 10 feet tall. Mummies. Mummies. Um, <laughs> and he, he, finds a, he finds a ton of crazy stuff in there, but he sort of uh, hides the entrance, doesn't tell too many people about it for a few years. And then eventually he starts assembling a group of people to come check it out. And right. ultimately they, he gets they, together a group of 80 <laughs> something people. And, uh, and the day they the were supposed to go, Stockton. yeah, Stockton, California, beautiful. But <laughs> it just so happened that the day they were all supposed to go check it out, he disappeared never to be seen again. So could that be the act of a, charlatan on the run because he knew his time was short or could he have been taken out because somebody didn't want him to show other people the uh, mysterious door under Mount Shasta. I'd be curious to, to see if he collected payment from those 80 people. Like if this was like a, a, a con situation, like, yeah, I'm getting together this expedition. He regales them with their, the, his story. And it's like, yeah, we're going to go there. We're going to find all this stuff and pitching him fame or money or whatever. But I wonder if he collected funds like, you know, $500 all inclusive, like to do this expedition. And then just fucking, it was just merely a money-making scheme. And he, he grabbed that and came up and like went out East or something. I mean, that would make, that would make sense. I did. One of the things I was reading said, um, I mean, it, it couldn't have been a scam because he didn't take a dime from these people. It's like, well, how do you know that? That was yeah, so long ago. I mean, if yeah, I found if somebody people gets, that are if somebody gets scammed, <laughs> they might not necessarily be super apt to tell other people. Like, yeah, we all got duped. You know, they might be like, no, we didn't. We didn't give him any money. It was just supposed to be an expedition. You know, like the shame yeah. factor. <laughs> All 80 of you gave this guy your life savings on the promise of 10 foot giants and ceremonial garb 11 miles under the earth. Yeah. I mean, I've, I see a lot of people that are, that seem very pro and like, uh, like almost apologist for JC Brown. Like they'll say that, you know, like, like, yeah, he had all this stuff and he mysteriously vanished the day they were supposed to go. And he never took a dime. Like he, he wasn't in it for the riches and this and that, like he had no reason to like, uh, make it about the money. It was about the discovery and like, you know, sharing this with the world or whatever. But yeah. uh, Another thing he said, uh, he saw in there too, wasn't like, like the, the piece de resistance was this ancient tomb, like a ceremonial tomb that was arranged with 27 skeletons ranging from seven to 10 feet tall, these giant people or whatever, you know, uh, the rem- remains of this ancient city. So, yeah, I mean, 
right on its face. Like if it was legit, like he really did disappear, you know, it's, that's pretty interesting. It seems really on the nose though. Like if you're trying to take someone out, it's like, that's the time and place you choose to do it. Why wouldn't you do it three Tuesdays ago when it had no significance with like, Oh, it was the same day he was supposed to go on an expedition to expose all this, yeah. you know, with 80 people. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to judge. And it was so long ago, but it is, it's it is, uh, it is Stockton. So for those of you unfamiliar with the region, <laughs> I think, I think Stockton, it used to be anyway, it used to make the top five, like most dangerous cities in the world. Yeah. Like per annually. capita, like highest crime rate and like, yeah. Yeah, Dude, I remember that back in like the mid nineties, like yeah. hearing that and like, like little factoids, like when you're watching like cops and shit and they go to <laughs> Stockton or like a really rough area, like, yeah, I wonder what it was like back in the early 1900s, like 1930, 1940, if it, if it's always had that kind of reputation, but yeah, that's, that's one people talk about a lot in association with, uh, Mount Shasta and kind of the weird stuff inside. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, one thing I was reading was the city of Telos, which is the city built inside Mount Shasta, was designed to house 200,000 Lemurians. And I can't remember where I saw this, but the author said, today it is believed that Telos houses 1.5 million Lemurians inside Mount Shasta. I don't know where the fuck that number comes from or how you have the temerity to put that down in print, <laughs> but I admire the moxie. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're just trying to make it stand out as like a, a, pl- a place, a point of interest, you know, but I don't know. Like it's a, did you the, see any the tourism board? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see any of the uh, the weird stuff about like uh, talk about it being some kind of like Stargate for the sky people and like the how there's a, like a, a relationship, like an energy vortex between the sun and this location at Mount Shasta, like the X point? Yeah, I did. I didn't really understand what they were saying. Uh, one One other thing that I also thought was interesting, but also didn't understand was they showed this sort of electromagnetic map of Northern California and over mm-hmm. Mount Shasta, there's like a, a negative electromagnetic anomaly field right. there. Yep. So I don't know what that means, but it sounds yeah. cool. So yeah, I wish there was a little bit more context to what, what that meant exactly. Like, is it super highly charged electromagnetism? And when they talk about like these X points where it's like, uh, the resonances or the, the places on, between the sun and the earth where the magnetic field is directly connected, quote unquote, uh, an uninter- uninterrupted path of energetic particles. Some are rare, some are more stable and can, can sustain themselves. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what that means. And I feel like it's a leap to say, because there are these two, uh, like, I don't even know how you judge that they're directly connected. 
to the sun, these electromagnetic fields. But then to say, then they start leaping to like, Ooh, it's a star portal. It's like uh, a dimensional rift, you know, yeah. that you can use to like transport people, energy, uh, like a wormhole. Yeah. Like these are, you know, like you think Stargate, you know, like 94, it's like Kurt Russell and like Egypt. And they have these crazy stars. It. It's like, sounds dumb. What? <laughs> That's a sci-fi you probably actually like. Kurt Russell's in it. James Spader. It's pretty cool. It's directed by the dude who did Independence Day. I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to Earth. That's what I call Coach Encounter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I wish I knew they gave a little bit more context like to what that means exactly like that Mount Shasta being and this a negative electromagnetic anomaly, you know, like if you spread that out, is it like that common globally or anyway? Um, yeah. I'm not even going to pretend like I know. I mean, it sounds yeah. interesting from like a scientific point of view, but I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even dare to try to explain. So uh, I have a question for you because you had mentioned this before and I did a little bit of reading about it, but I couldn't find a lot of good stuff. The Count of St. Germain. Yeah. So, so are, are you, it, that leads in with this other guy that we should probably talk about the guy Ballard and the whole, the I am movement, which yes. is kind of, is pretty funky. And that leads to him and like, then we get to like, then it starts getting to like the new age and the ascended masters and yeah. So from what I understand, the Count of St. Germain is this interesting sort of historic enigma, if you will, who like fucking Bill and Ted never seen it. Don't care who this person who just seems to show up at different points of in history. Right. Like a, like a, like slaughterhouse five. Like he, like he's popping in and out of, un, he's unstuck in time, but he, he's doing it at his will. And it's like to like maybe help or guide or, you know, shape the world in significant ways throughout. Like there's some type of maybe greater plan. Or, okay. That's interesting then. Yeah, I've I've heard it like, you know, a bunch of different ways. Like he was at the he was at the signing of the Declaration of Independence and he and actually even signed it. But I've never heard that before. And what name did he sign? Did he sound sign Count St. Germain or um Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting figure. It could probably easily justify its own episode or like series of uh stuff to break down but yeah it's kind of like just like this immortal quasi cosmic kind of being that can pop in and out like and in in this instance this guy guy ballard uh said he met and encountered this being that called itself it was like blonde hair and like uh like this celestial creature humanoid count and said his name was the count of saint germain and it, he started, he mentored him and came, that's how he 
everything that he learned, he incorporated into this I am movement, kind of like a, like a Scientology seems kind of L Ron Hubbardy a little bit. Like, um, like he got a lot of followers in, in age without social media and like telephone and like the, the, the way you can network now, but he got his, uh, his I am activity religious movement up to like, I saw like, between 1.5 and 2 million followers at one at its height. And he, he is, he might be like top 10 creepiest looking dudes. This yeah. guy, guy Ballard. He kind of looks like, he looks like an American Dracula. Yeah. I, Oh God, he does. He's got that like little widow's peak thing going on yeah. in the front. Some um, fucking brows, dude. <laughs> like, hey, they're careful. sharp. Yeah, I was going to say, they're pretty similar to yours. you got a couple <laughs> caterpillars nesting on your eyelids. How dare you? <laughs> this is finally my time. I don't know if you've noticed that the young gals now, the trend is to have like the big, thick, dark oh, really? eyebrows. Yeah, so everything's uh, coming up Steve Dog these days. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, ladies. Get in line, huh? <laughs> I've just had an apostrophe. Thicker <laughs> eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> they love it. You are the father. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you want to go into this guy a little bit more? Ballard and his wife, Edna. Yeah. I mean, the it's wild. And I don't know a whole lot about it. Just because. Yeah. The, the Cliff's Notes is like he, he, he married his wife in 1916 and they studied theosophy and the occult. So they were kind of primed for this kind of thing. It's like, you think about people who get into something and they want to believe it or they stumble upon something, you know, wh- which came first. And if it's like, they're doing it in earnest or uh, if they're just deluded and they've just found something that they learned about and they've put all their chips on that thing. And I mean, right or wrong, uh, you know, after meeting the Count of St. Germain, uh, and learning the teachings of the Ascended Masters, he started putting out books and he and his wife, Edna started getting like a, a following, um, accredited messengers of St. Germain. Um, and then they came out with this compendium, I guess, called the Ascended Master Teachings. And there's even like, I don't know if you saw, there's still, and I am, it's yeah. I am like a, a sanctuary or like a little, it like a, like a uh, reading room. It has a, yeah. It has like a <laughs> physical presence at like the base of Mount Shasta, which I thought is wild in 2023. Like it's still chugging along, but yeah, it's, it's super wild. It all goes into like really like, like Gnostic and like new age and like these really esoteric, like, uh, teachings that are like, once we get to start, start, get to that level, my interest wanes. Yeah. Like, like you think back to like the hail Bob comet and the, the, uh, what's his major apple white, all that kind of stuff. Like start believing in some wild fucking shit, but yeah. Yeah. That, that guy is heavily tied to, to this, to Mount Shasta. So any, anything you look up, he'll be on the periphery. Um, and I don't know where this factoid comes from, but I saw it and 
uh, Shasta's ranked. It's in. It's the top. It's the thirteenth out of three hundred UFO hotspots in the world. Uh, I don't know how that's being tracked or assessed, but if it's just sheer like they're looking at pure reports of UFOs like on a volume basis. Um, if that's it, true, it that's is, pretty interesting. It is. It is interesting because you would think that like a more densely populated place would have more sightings uh, just by virtue of the fact there's more people there. So I wonder right. how they parse that out. I've also heard that Mount Shasta is on like the, the, uh, the ley lines and it's one of the earth chakras and, you know, right. just all the, all the kind of like ancient aliens go to's. Who knows? Like I, maybe there are specific points on the earth, you know, and they, there's, there's plenty of examples, but like, you know, like Stonehenge and stuff where it seems like there's so many things that are associated with this one place and they happen to line up, you know, yeah. just from a, just standing back and looking at it on its face. It's like, yeah, there's reports like, you know, the sky people, there's an electromagnetic connection at this point. There's the negative anomaly. There's, it's, it happens to be on a ley line, um, you know, and in relation to these other points that have significance, you know, like that it's, it's interesting that a lot of those things stack up for this area. And I'd never even known about that before, but yeah. Who's to say there's not weirder stuff that happens in a certain area on the earth, but we just don't know how to explain it yet. Or, yeah. or maybe it, it is unexplainable. It's one of those, it's just a weird part of nature in the universe. Fun to think about. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we're lucky enough in our lifetime to learn a lot more stuff that, you know, just imagine a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, the stuff they didn't know Mm -hmm. and and what they're going to know a hundred years from now, 200 years from now that we're too fucking stupid to know now. I mean, we're not going to be there to hear about it, but yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, all it takes is a little bit of time and you're no longer like at the vanguard of things. Cause when you're living in the present, it's always easy to say, you know, like this is the peak. It's like, well, yeah, it's constantly, it's either going up or down or staying still, but in the present, it's always going to feel like, cause you're always looking right back at what was previous, you know, even from now to the eighties is such a huge jump. It's fucking nuts. like com- computers that take up a, a wing and then you have the equivalent in your hand. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Did you see it? Have you, did you ever hear about this? Uh, I, I missed this one in 2008. There was, I guess a pretty credible, uh, uh, UFO sighting had a lot of eyewitnesses, which is, it always lends credibility to these sightings when there's more people. Um, I don't think I know the one you're talking. Yeah, I don't know what it's called, but it was just it it happened in 2008. Um a lot of eyewitnesses. Of course, no photos. Uh I know 2008 is like right when people started having smartphones ish and having a phone in your in your pocket, but that one kind of jumped out. Tons of eyewitnesses, no photos, but one video came out later and it's pretty fucking weird. It looks like a like a jello, like a jellyfish, like a gelatinous cube shape. And then it like moves in and it kind of adjusts shape. And it's real strange. Maybe I have seen that. 
Yeah. Was it, was it filmed from a plane? I don't know. I feel like it I was saw pretty one. rough, but it wasn't like dog shit rough quality. Like you can make out the this thing in the air changing shapes pretty clearly. I was like, oh shit, I'd never seen that one before. Huh. It looked pretty decent to me. Um, but I guess that kind of go that ties in with other accounts of people seeing like these more ethereal kind of like I think orbs were thrown around, but you've seen like the orb UFO shits. Those are different. They, some people said that it was more like ethereal and they saw it go into the mountain, adding to like the whole electromagnetic, it being a star chamber, some kind of vortex that it can, or there's like a, you know, think about like holographics. Maybe they got, there's some kind of crazy effect like that. And there's hidden openings into the mountain, but that's some of the accounts that I thought that stood out to me too about these UFOs, like people seeing, noticing them going into the mountain and not just flying around and zipping away like you normally hear or see. So yeah, that was, I was like, Whoa, that's fucking cool. So do you yeah, know check out 2008 Mount Shasta UFO sighting? So you obviously know more about this stuff than I do, but do you, have you seen a pattern where, because Mount Shasta is a dormant volcano versus just mm-hmm. a, a tall mountain. Do you think there's any sort of connection between specifically volcanoes versus just other tall yeah. mountains? Or are you getting along the path of like maybe they're monitoring places that are uh, somewhat unstable or could be an issue or there's just more like energy at that location or something or no i was just curious if if in your in your studies you'd come across any <laughs> like correlation between you know like kilimanjaro or k2 or everest which i don't think are volcanoes but they're obviously huge peaks if yeah there's, like if there's like a big a, landmarks if there's a lower occurrence of weird paranormal or whatever you want to call it activity at those but a higher one huh. at volcanoes for whatever reason you can think of because yeah maybe there's just more energy there for yeah inter intergalactic keggers <laughs> <laughs> humanoid you wish bring a sponge <laughs> Dude, i love that line. he's just like oh fuck I got to go clean up some sloppy ass jellyfish alien. It's going to leak on me. Um, intergalactic planetary. Yeah. The only thing I can think is something I've, I don't know, but I, uh, the other thing I thought about was, um, you've heard about UFO, UFO sightings at, um, military bases or, or specific, types of it, like over NORAD or over a place that's known to have um, like where uh, like actual nuclear warheads are like firing chambers, like specific areas that aren't advertised that they've been over these places in maybe, you know, an effort to monitor these really volatile areas of the earth, like they're guarding or they're, um, you know, like I've heard just wild shit. Like if, if a nuke was shot out or if there've been like, uh, 
like testings that have gone wrong where aliens have interceded like on behalf of, of humans or they're looking out because they're pre- protecting their investment. I mean, that's about, that's the long and short of it that I've heard that would make me think like, why, why would aliens be monitoring specific sites over, but maybe it is something else like they're trying to harvest energy if this is all real or um, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Because you, you would think that if they were that advanced and they didn't want us to have, nuclear weapons they would find a creative way to just disable all the nuclear weapons on on the planet with whatever their advanced technology is right like like a radiation blast or something that would disable whatever well i would think they're playing the long con and something like that would be too stark or too knee-jerky of a Cause like, if you think about that, like what if tomorrow we woke up and it's like all the nukes have been like neutralized and, and by some unexplained phenomena or this fucking ray of shit, it's like, that would change the world overnight. Like politics, like power dynamics. Like, I mean, I feel like something that big would be too stark, like to, but that's assuming you're playing. That's assuming they would tell the public. I mean, maybe it's already happened. I don't know if you've ever heard this theory. That's a good point, dude. Cause who, who really knows? You're like, going to love they're this. Just, they're, oh I shit. Here we I go. don't know if you've ever heard this, but there's a theory out there that there's no such thing as nuclear weapons, that the, the atomic bomb technology doesn't actually exist. And that's why they're talking about how, uh, well, it's, it's prescient with Oppenheimer coming out soon because they're talking Dude, about... I was about to say Oppenheimer. I'm about yeah. to watch that, bitch. I can't wait. So Dude, if, you, if, you, if you believe that, not to go full gym on you, <laughs> but if you believe that uh, what we're told about nuclear weapons are true, that Hiroshima and Nagasaki should be uninhabitable for the next thousand years or whatever. Same, mm-hmm. with, same with Chernobyl and the meltdown that happened there. But there have been people that have gone to all three of those places and they're, they're like, yeah, that's fine. And the, and the thought is like, no, it's not, it's not a nuclear fission or whatever creates the atomic bomb. It's just a huge amount of TNT that they use. So I don't know. Have you heard anything about just, that at all? I've never heard that theory. Well, that's crazy. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> And the earth yeah, is hollow. Yeah, that's awesome. The earth is flat and it's hollow. And uh... <laughs> I don't think you can do that to hollow earth, though. I don't think hollow earth and no, to no. be mentioned in the same breath as flat earth, uh, to besmirch it. I won't. I mean, I will sit on the fence on a lot of shit and this one, too. But I feel like inner earth is more of like a. I don't know. I, I just, I think it's a fun theory to think about and it, it's like low impact. Yeah. Whereas if you go to, if you start getting into the flat earth and like the fringes, like you're, you're getting into a weird territory about how you carry yourself in life. You know, like if you, if you're thinking about inner earth in the same way, it's like, hmm. You're not, there isn't cause flat earth gets tied into the NASA and everyone's been lying. It's too much. Yeah. It's like, it's too far afield. Like, but inner earth is fun to think about. Like there's been some weird stuff 
associated with that. And like the South Pole really interests me. Like all the shit that like expeditions that have gone there. And that could be a whole episode in and of itself too. Talking about Admiral Byrd. Yeah. I mean, there's so much weird shit out there. It's, it's really hard to differentiate bullshit from interesting stuff, but yeah, especially now when the access to all that information is just like the floodgates have been dumped on you. Right on. Have you what have you ever heard of like the giant theory? Do you put any stock in that? Like uh I saw one thing that looked pretty credible, like out of Mount Shasta. I can't remember what paper it was, but it was like back in the early nineteen hundreds. They found and they photographed and they wrote an article in like the fucking Mount Shasta Herald or some shit, like the bones of like, it was like an eight and a half foot tall humanoid skeleton that they had found. I don't know if that was doctored back in the, that day, but you hear about there's other sites around the world. Like giants could be another, a completely other episode too. But I think yeah. that starts getting, it starts getting weird where they're tying into like the, this not only global, but like, centuries old kind of conspiracy of uh, academia and withholding knowledge and that then it starts getting like really heavy too but you know what i'm talking about you've heard that kind of stuff yeah and i saw something about specifically at mount shasta where these people claim they found this bigfoot footprint and then they later found out that the people had faked it by using like their knuckles and their hands or, or whatever right. I mean, but that doesn't completely dismiss the idea that there are giant humanoid whatever creatures out there. Maybe uh, interdimensional beings. Sure, whatever. <laughs> I, will, I will say there's another fun, uh, weird merging of Christian school teaching with unexplained evolution stuff where uh, in the Bible it talks about like people in the old days used to live to be like 600 years old or 400, whatever. And the thought was that there was a giant layer of water in the atmosphere that kept the sun out. And so it allowed people to live to be, I think Noah was 800 apparently when he died. And then when, when God decided to flood the earth for reasons unknown to most people, um, that it removed that protective layer from the sun, and that's why people don't live as long now. So, ah, yeah, that's pretty fucking wild. I'd never heard that before, and that's why we have the rainbow. <laughs> that's what the Bible says, because that's uh. that is God's promise to never flood the earth again. That's not a joke Dude. either. <laughs> <laughs> dude i've i think i've talked to you about this before i'm gonna share my screen just real quick um and because you brought up religion uh i guess we'll leave off on this note um i was in uh i i what was it like half a year i was in a seventh day adventist school like christian religious school in like sixth grade and do you know anything about seven day Adventists? Yeah. Like in general or <laughs> yep. pretty wild. They, they believe in some weird shit. Like they do church on whole, Saturday, right? 
church on Saturday because they think there's a, an entire misinterpretation of like God rested on the seventh, sixth day. I can't remember what the fuck it is. It's something like that where they're like, your math's wrong. It was Saturday, not Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday is the fucking Sabbath, you know? Yeah. Um, which I was like, that's kind of cool because I go to church on Saturday and I have to fucking have it hanging over me with the Sunday scaries too. Um, did you have to go to church? I, I've never asked you this before. Did you have to go to church all the way growing up? Yeah. Or did you? To, yeah, we had to go pretty much every Sunday um, up until – I'm trying to remember. It must have been early teens when I started to be a rebellious little piece of shit. And Was it a knockdown, drag-out fight? We're like, I'm not going anymore. Or was it just like, okay, you're old enough – do you want to go? Do you not? Yeah, it was a fight. I, I can't really remember all the details about it, to be honest, but I do remember the <laughs> I do remember the first week where uh, so they, they pass out communion, which in Catholic it's different in Catholic and Christian churches, but I remember the first week where I, I just took it and passed it to the person next to me instead of taking it. And they were like, <gasps> Stephen. Yeah, it was a it was a big deal at the time, but uh, damn. Yeah, I don't I don't remember <laughs> if they if my folks ever just said like, no, you don't have to go, or I. It, it I mean, just kind of faded away. Yeah, to be stopped. honest, it was probably during my early teenage years when I decided to just argue with them about religion all the time. And after a while, they were probably just like, fuck it, stay home. Yeah. Have fun in hell. In the, <laughs> the, thro- the throes of your punk goth era. Not goth. Cole Chamber. Never, never goth. Cole Chamber sucks. That's you. You're looking in a mirror. This is like back when I was a kid. I was on a You're from Milwaukee. Uh that's funny. I ne- yeah, I never thought to ask you that before. But anyway, back to Seventh Day Adventists. Uh, they're pretty kooky. Um, so here I'm going to yeah, show. I think my they're also against dancing, right? If I remember right, I don't remember dancing like crazy, like the wild, like running up and down the pews and like no, not not like Pentecostal. Okay, not like that. I mean, if if I remember right, the Seventh Day Adventist Church school I went to when they would have dances, they would come around and not let you dance with each other. Get too close. Yeah. What is, what is this? Can you see that? This is, uh, so imagine this is like the size of like a reader's digest and it's called the, the national Sunday law, a shocking glimpse behind the scenes forces unite amid stupendous crisis by a Jan Markison. Um, so I remember by virtue of going to this Seventh-day Adventist uh, school, like we were on the mailing list or whatever, you know, and like this came to our house. It was mailed and I looked into it and I started flipping through and it's just like, it just seemed like a, a religious kind of pamphlet thing, like trying to get you to, trying to convert you or whatever, or indoctrinate you rather. But um, this thing was thick. Like it was like as thick as a Reader's Digest and it read like, uh, an expose on like 
I can't remember if Zionism was involved, but it, it railed hard against like the Catholic church and about like the papacy specifically about how like saying they're like ordained by God and like that it's blasphemy and that like the Catholic church is actually the head of Satan. It's just disguised and like hidden in plain view. It was wild shit reading at sixth grade when I was like 12, I was like, dude, what is this? I was like, make this a movie. Like, and I didn't really talk to anyone else about it. I just kind of like, Oh, this is fucking weird. But, um, thinking back on it, I've thought about it a couple times later in life. Like there's some wild shit in that. Have you ever seen that or heard anyone talk about that? That it's national Sunday law. I don't think I've seen that particular pamphlet, even though it looks like something I would love to read. There is a, there is a gentleman in the town we live in who has a piece of shit camper and in big, bold lettering on the front, it said, it says, Saturday is a Sabbath. Sunday is the mark of the beast. And it's like, ask me about whatever the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy. It's super wild. That, that I want to try to get my hands on that. I don't know how hard that would be able to, they might, they'll probably have it on Amazon, but that'd be a fun one to like get a couple copies and look through and just talk about that book specifically. And some of those wild with your religious background. Oh yeah. I'm sure that'd be, that'd be fun. Be a fun uh, panel. Have your dad on. (laughs) He would do it. I think he would do it. Yeah. That'd be interesting. All right. Well, yeah, I think we we did kind of uh, definitely a Cliff's Notes of uh, old Mount Shasta, but there's tons of stuff out there. There's much better uh, descriptive accounts of each like individual thing uh, that you can find out there. So, yeah, let us know. What do you think? Has anyone heard of the National Sunday Law booklet associated with Seventh-day Adventists? <laughs> I'm curious. It's very niche. Dude, that would actually – that would be a good one for – old Chris to look into, I think for, uh, Mount Molehill. I don't know if, if, if that'd be up his alley, but I could see him doing something crazy with that. But, um, yeah, that his, his new podcast is coming out pretty soon, right? Yeah. He just put something on Instagram, uh, next week. So I'm pretty sure it's the, it's either the 27th or the 28th. So So as you, on As you any and all podcasters. Oh yeah, because this will release uh, morning of the twenty seventh. So yeah, strap in, check out all your podcasters. Look for Mount Molehill. Uh, it's uh, Chris who's been on our show half half dozen times, I guess. But least, yeah, he's yeah. a good hang, and I think he'll he's gonna kill it based on his his other uh, show channel eighty three. Him going into like lost media and like just really weird uh idiosyncratic kind of like investigations it's like it it sounds awesome yeah uh so yeah i'm looking forward to that big time too i'm looking forward to oppenheimer when are you going are you going this weekend um i don't know actually i want to go soon yeah it's opening weekend this weekend or it's out today in select theaters i think and then tomorrow saturday but yeah i'm gonna go the week after i think after the crowd's thin out a little bit have you ever treated yourself to an imax 
seating at an IMAX theater? I have uh, when I lived in Sacramento. Yeah, they have a dope theater down there. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, I was I was thinking it, uh, the Oppenheimer might be a, a good candidate to go down. Yeah, if if ever a time, this seems like yeah, this would be a dope one. Because I heard something you would know better than that, than I would. The they filmed the whole thing in IMAX, and it was like eleven miles of film, and it weighs six hundred pounds or, or something crazy like that. Yeah, I heard something nuts like that, yeah. And you still haven't watched Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I need to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) My time is limited, and stuff like that is like, I've I've seen bits and pieces and heard clips. It's very violent and and profanity-laden, so I have to to pick my spots. Does that offend your delicate sensitivities? Yeah, yeah, I'm way more up on fucking Bluey and <laughs> Paw Patrol than I am with Peaky Blinders at the moment. But um, yeah, I'm psyched. I'm psyched for Oppenheimer. Three hours though, yeah, Yeesh. which means four with previews, getting there, coming home. That's a it's a jaunt. Yeah, spring like a piss bag and. <laughs> Bring in a couple clubs, gin, gin and tonic. You remember club like mudslide, the little alcoholic. They came in like the you know the little V eight cans. They come in those yeah. like little cocktail. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cocktail in a can, dude. One time, not too long ago, I smuggled when Doctor Sleep with Ewan McGregor was in theaters. That was a three hour movie too. Uh, I smuggled like six of them. I wore like big tube socks. I just had them loaded up, just like, and I fucking had six gin and tonics in this theater, and I was fucking lit. Dude, Doctor Strange, or uh, not Doctor Strange, Doctor Sleep Sleep was awesome in the theater. Is that when you pissed your pants, or? No, I never pissed my (laughs) pants. Oh, I thought you were about to say that's when you pissed your pants. No. (laughs) Did you you piss in the doctor, in the? In the theater? Oh, yeah. Not in my seat, though. (laughs) Wait, what do you mean? You pissed in the can? No, I pissed at the theater and the I went I used the John when I did take a piss. Uh, <laughs> why didn't you just piss in one of the six cans you brought with you in your seat? <laughs> they were tiny, they were little. I would well, it would have got, been like uh six dumb and dumber. I have like these six <laughs> fucking little cans of piss. You've been sucking back on grandpa's cough medicine. <laughs> G- give me that. Now, one time my nephew threw up, like projectile vomiting. We went to watch the new Terminator when, whenever that came out. Um, the last one where Linda Hamilton came back. We were sitting down and he just like, it it just shot out. He didn't make like a vomit noise. It was like, <laughs> it, it was like du- uh, double dare. You know, when the slime comes down, it was, oh, just, yeah. it was just, it, it was out. And I was like, oh shit. It was like an involuntary response. And yep. it, was, it just kept like fountaining out and we're, I was there with my wife and I was like, he's your nephew. I like, I didn't want to touch him <laughs> and shit. I was like, we gotta, we gotta go. And we go down the stairs and he's got all this puke down his shirt and his all, all down his arms. And he starts just flicking it. Like his, he's like ringing like a wet dog. He's like, ringing oh his fucking, 
Dude, oh then he goes down. God. My wife's like, okay, go into the bathroom, clean yourself up. And he go and he stinks really bad too. And he goes into the bathroom and uh this dude like fast walks out and he's like, Gah! like <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck. Oh my god. Yeah. I might edit this out because I think he listens and I don't know if he'll be embarrassed by that, but he was young. It was fun. Yeah. I think he had like eggs and sausage and orange juice and he was, he was sick, but he thought if he ate something like, Oh, I just need to eat something. But he was actually sick. You're sick. You're literally sick. So that came out fresh because we went to a matinee. So that was pretty brutal. Ugh. <laughs> I've been there. That's a rough I feel, feeling. Yeah, I felt so bad for him because like, you know sucks. What you describe as like a spontaneous vomit. Yeah, yeah. He was probably holding it down for a while, like boom, boom. yeah, yeah. And then he finally just boom. yeah. In Poor hindsight, kid. he did look a little out of sorts, like <laughs> just sweating. <laughs> Like uh, Norm McDonald when they take the fucking brownies in the car, he's just like. <laughs> I think I feel a slight itch. <laughs> Maybe not. He was supposed to keep driving. <laughs> All right, uh, cool. Yeah, let us know. Uh, you can email us at wax at waxingtheporpoise dot com. Uh, hate mail, please. Uh, let us know what you thought of this episode if you have any anecdotes about mount shasta national sunday laws instagram is at waxing the porpoise twitter is at waxing the porp next week we are having the aforementioned chris is coming back uh along with staring john to discuss what chris claims is the superior film to jaws uh orca from 1977 so i like orca orca is pretty badass but it's not better than Jaws. I'll I'll affirm that right here and now. But I haven't seen Orca in probably a decade, so we'll see how it goes. But it's a more brutal, violent, bloody Jaws, basically. So I haven't seen either. So I guess I got my work cut out for me. Yeah. I guess the, the gauntlet wasn't really throw, thrown down. Is it a better film? But if you, if you can squeeze it in, I would watch Jaws first and then watch this. But... It's not required viewing at all. Um, So yeah, that'll be next week. Thanks for joining us and we will see you when we see you and we'll see you later.